Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. my favorite songs. If you win your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 16. And it's good to see Brother Ratledge up and around and after having knee replacement surgery. And uh, he made it up here. And I know, I know why he went that way. <laughs> There's a rail out there for him to walk and hold on to. And, uh, but uh, enjoyed that song so very much. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And this morning we talked about what a steward was. What was a steward and that we ought to be good stewards of, of the manifold grace of God, all the gifts that God has given us, the blessings that he's given us. And a steward is one who manages the affairs of another. Stewardship, think about, again, biblical stewardship, is understanding that God owns everything. And again, I quoted Brother House this morning and said, it's just remembering that I got no stuff. It's not, it's not mine. It's not mine. None of my stuff is mine. It's the Lord's. He controls it. And so, therefore, we understand if you understand stewardship, then you understand lordship. That God's in control of everything, and therefore, He is, ought to have control of my life in all areas of my life. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, our text verse for this morning. Uh, Peter said this, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And again, we've been given the gift of life, and we ought to surrender our life to Him. Romans chapter 12, we, I learned that verse when I was a little kid. I beseech thee therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And we ought to give our life to the Lord after we're saved. We ought to, know, we ought to understand and know that uh, it's reasonable for us to give our life to Him, to yield our life to Him. It really does come down to yielding every part of our life. If you think of a house and you think about, uh, uh, you know, inviting people over to your house, you invite people over to your house and you let them, you, maybe you just bought the home and so you're showing them around and you show them around to a lot of the rooms and, but you leave one room out, you don't let them go into that room. Maybe you, that's where, uh, uh, like our house, uh, the third bedroom has become the storage bedroom. Uh, when brother, when brother, when Joshua moved out, uh, it's become the storage. Now we have every intention of cleaning that room up, and uh, but we wouldn't want you to look at it right now. Sorry, it's the way it is. Don't go to that room. And so it's just like that with the Lord as well. We we have we say we yield our life to Him, uh, and we let Him in most of the rooms in our life. But there's a few rooms, or at least maybe one room, we say, well, don't go in here. Lord, I'll do anything you ask, but I won't do this. Or, Lord, I'll yield anything to you except that. And, and really, all of us have that little room or rooms uh, that we have not yet yielded to him. And stewardship is understanding that all of it should be his, that every part of our life should be surrendered and yielded to him, yield to him. All of our time, our talent, our treasure, everything should be 
yielded to him, understanding that one day we'll give an account to the Lord, to the Lord. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. So again, he's speaking to uh, the church of Corinth, uh, reminding them about the collection for the saints as the churches of Galatia, those, that prov province of Galatia have been giving, and so they should as well. Verse 2, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gathering when I come. Upon the first day of the week, let every man, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, as we learn about your program for giving, God, may you bless May you remind us, may you teach us through your word uh, the way in which you would have us to give. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So this morning was a stewardship, again, biblical stewardship, what it is. And uh, tonight is God's program for giving, God's program for giving. As again, we think about the stewardship of life and giving our lives to the Lord and yielding our lives to him, giving our time and our talent and our treasure first place to the Lord. As we think about that, what do we do? What do we do? What do we give? It's important we understand that our motives for giving is important to the Lord. That the Bible says we ought not to give grudgingly nor in necessity. But the Lord loves a cheerful giver. So what are we to do? Our giving does absolutely depends upon our motivation. Uh, we think about motivation. What motivates you to give? What motivates you to give? Is it love? Is it love? Is it love for the Lord is what motivate you to give or is it fear fear motivates you to give maybe it's the authority maybe it's your conscience whatever it is but something motivates us in our giving and in giving an offering to the lord when it comes to that we what we give above the tithe that should be a prompting of the lord that we should listen to him we, we hear that when we hear mission conference speakers come in, whether it's Brother Folger, Brother Webster, whomever comes in, and they remind us every time that faith promise giving is giving above the tithe, and what should we give or what amount should we give? Whatever the Lord prompts us to give. We are to listen to Him. We are to yield to Him. And so the motivation behind that and prompting, the motivation behind giving an offering should be the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Really. And, our, and, and what should motivate us Again, is our love for the Lord, our love for Him. So here Paul is speaking about the, the collection of the saints for Jerusalem. He's saying, hey, we've collected these things. The churches of Galatia, church is, of Galatia have given, and you should as well. And on the first day of the week, you should take up an offering. An offering. And every person should give. Everyone should give as God has blessed them, has prospered them. So... What's God's program for giving? Number one, we should, we should give. When should we give? When should we give? Pretty easy, isn't it? The text tells you. When do we give? The first day of the week. S Sunday, not Monday. Amen? Amen. That's, that's what it says. Giving Him, giving the Lord, the first day of the week is important. That's why we meet on Sunday. We meet on the first day of the week. By the way, Sunday's the first day of the week. It's not the weekend. The weekend is Friday, Saturday. The weekend is not, the world has changed that, has tried to change it. In fact, they try to change it in our calendars sometimes too, and it just drives me crazy, putting Monday as, anyway. 
uh, Monday at the first of it instead of Sunday. Sunday's the first day of the week. And so today, you have given Jesus, you've given the Lord the first day of the week. You've given him first place. I commend you for doing that. I, I did as well. I got up this morning and came to church, gave him, a, gave him the first day of the week. It's, it comes around seven days. Every seven days, Sunday comes around and reminds us that the Lord should have first place in our life. He gets the first day, and he also should get the first fruits of our giving, of our tithes and our offerings. And again, it's a reminder. It's the, the seven-day week that the Lord gave us uh, when he created the, the heavens and the earth. We have six days in which he's creating everything, and on the seventh day, he ceased from his activity. The Bible uses the word rest, but we, we understand that God didn't like physically rest. God doesn't get tired, but he ceased from his activity. And therefore setting a pattern for us that on the seventh day, we ought to give him first place. And from the Old Testament, the seventh day, Saturday, was when the Israelites were to give him first place. But Jesus Christ rose from the dead on Sunday, and therefore in the New Testament, we give him first place by giving him the first day of the week. Amen? First day of the week, Sunday, not Monday. When are, when are we to give? On Sunday. And again, God assumes we will be in church on the first day of the week. God assumes that a Christian, a born-again child of God, will be in church on the first day of the week. I, I, I don't get it. Somebody who says to me, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I, I believe in the Lord, I, I accepted Christ as my Savior, and they won't come to church, that, that's a, that to me is a red flag. In fact, let me state it, that's a huge red flag. They've never been faithful to church, and yet they say they were born-again Christian. That's a huge red flag. I believe there will be many, 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 the Bible says there will be, who come to heaven, and Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Well, didn't I prophesy in your name, Jesus? Didn't I teach in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. There are a lot of people out there who claim to be Christians who are not. They are, they are professors, but they're not possessors. God assumes, Christ assumes that you will be in church on the first day of the week. And that's what the, the, the Apostle Paul here is assuming. And he says, upon the first day of the week, give. Because he's assuming you're already in church. You're in church. Again, every seven days we're reminded to give God first place. Psalm 24, verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. All of this is His. None of it's ours. Everything belongs to God. It's his job. It's his home. It's his car. None of it's my stuff. And in this particular verse, it's not primarily dealing with the tithe. It's dealing with an offering. What am, what am I to do? What do you want me to give above the tithe? How do we determine what to give above the tithe? Well, we bow the knee. We pray. We seek the Lord's face. Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? So, when should we give? On the first day of the week. Secondly, who should give? The text is pretty simple. This is a Brother House text because it's just super simple. Upon the first day of the week, we're to give. Who's to give? Every one of you. Every one of you. So here it can't be talking about the tithe. Because the tithe is based upon if you worked that week. Right? If you work that week and you get income from that work, then you ought to tithe on it.
But here it says every, son, every first day of the week that everyone should give. Everyone should give. Everyone. So it doesn't matter about age or social standing or social status. We're all to give an offering to the Lord. The church at Corinth and the church members there were to give on the first day of the week. Every one of them. Well, I don't work, you know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a job. I didn't make any money this week. And again, the application here is not necessarily talking about the tithe. It's talking about giving an offering, that which we give above and beyond the tithe. We're to pay the tithe if you have income at all, but all can give. So with the tithe, you're to give that income, but all can give an offering. All can give an offering. As a kid, um, many times uh, I gave a quarter or whatever the case is of, of things uh, I, I didn't make anything that week and give to missions or whatever. I didn't make anything that week. All, everyone can give. So look at the text again. Every one of you. Every one of you. Every one of you. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him. We won't turn there, but in Mark chapter 12, verse 41, most of you know that passage where Jesus is in the synagogue there and he's observing, he's watching as the people walk by and give. And as the individuals are walking by and dropping their offering into the offering plate or the, whatever they used at the time, he beheld them, the Bible says. He looked upon them. He looked on purpose, in other words. He was watching what they were giving. He watched the rich people come by. He watched poor people come by and everybody in between and everybody was giving. The Bible says there in Mark chapter 12 that the rich cast in much, but they cast in much to be seen. I've told you about the lady when I first, my first pastored, I was 20 years old, and, and a little church there in Nakona, again, the auditorium, some of y'all been there, the auditorium would seat about 75. It was smaller than this section over here. It's smaller than most of our rooms here. And so whenever we'd take the offering, it was very noticeable, and the offering plate was passed, and the little lady would sit right on the front or on the second row, just right here. Actually, she sat on this side. She sat about where my wife is. My wife doesn't do this, by the way. I'm just it's illustrating this of what this lady would do. She would allow the offering plate to come past her. And it got to about the third or fourth row, she'd raise her offering up. But it was like every service she did that. I, I don't believe her heart was in the right spot. She wasn't giving because she loved the Lord. She wasn't giving because that was the right thing to do. She was, she was giving to be seen. She wanted to make sure everybody knew that she gave her offering. My dad would know who, this, who that is. And so Jesus is beholding, he's beheld these individuals that they walk by and they're dropping their offering in the plate. And he walks, they walk by, the rich people walk by and they, they give much so they can be seen. But I do want you to understand that in Mark chapter 12 that Jesus was concerned about their giving, all of them. And they were giving tithe, by the way, and he didn't tell them to stop. The tithe belongs to the Lord. He was condoning, if you would, the, them coming and give, to give their tithes and offerings. He not as you would, he was condoning it. He was putting his stamp approval on it. This is part of what should be done, but not the motivation. The rich people were coming by and giving out of their abundance and were giving to be seen. But Jesus commended the widow. Remember this story? Jesus commended the widow because she gave all. It's an object lesson on real giving. Here's a widow who had limited supply and yet she gave all. The rich gave of their abundance. 
And the lesson here is that God looks on what you have left over, not on what you give. Let me say that again. God looks on what you have left over, not on what you give. The rich gave because they could. The widow lady gave because she loved the Lord and she gave all. She put her trust in the Lord and the Lord took care of her. We use that phrase all the time, not about equal giving, but equal sacrifice, and it's a biblical principle. It's not about equal giving. There are those individuals here in the auditorium who can give much. There are those in the auditorium who can give little. But it's not about how much you give, it's about how much you have left over. We, We equally give if we equally sacrifice. All of us giving of the blessings, the manifold blessings of God that he's given us. Again, I think Brother House has taught this before too. I, in pastoring now or in the ministry for 30 years, I, I've never seen God prompt anybody in the ministry that I've been in for 30 years to give all. And, and that's, not what the, that's not what he's teaching there in Mark chapter 12, verse 41. He's not saying that everybody should give all. But he is saying that everyone should give. Everyone should be involved in giving. From the smallest to the biggest, from the richest to the poorest, everyone should be involved. Let everyone give lay by in store as God prospered him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, both of these two chapters, Paul teaches about grace giving, giving that is above the tithe, giving that is above the tithe. We think about, again, faith promise giving when we give to missions. And what a blessing this year. You'll see Wednesday night that our church gave more to missions this year than we've ever given. It's last year. It's amazing. Amazing. Almost $300,000. Almost. Boy, man, that's amazing. God's good, isn't he? And that 300, almost 300,000 is above the, tithes, above the tithe. Individuals like you being so faithfully in giving to missions and that prompting of the Holy Spirit that prompted you to give and look what God is doing with it. Look at the Reasoner family. Fixing to start a church where three families are ready to go. Amen? God's good. Campus Development Fund, and God has allowed us to build buildings over the years. And this same fund is a free will offering. It's an offering above the tithe. It is, it's, again, systematic, and it should be systematic in giving it weekly or biweekly or monthly and giving towards that need. So, how should we give? When should we give? And then, again, how should we give? Number three. How should we give? We should lay by in store. Lay by in store. Look there at the text. Upon the first day of the week, that's when, who is those, everyone, and then how, how should we give? By lay by in store. And just listen real quick, quickly. We think about the tithe again. The tithe was given to us in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. We see the tithe also mentioned in Malachi chapter 3. It's mentioned many times in the Old Testament as well as a few, couple of times in the New Testament. The tithe belongs to the Lord. It is a debt I owe. 10% of the gross of my income should go to the Lord. An offering is different than the tithe. After, the offering comes after the tithe. It comes from the prompting of the Lord as he prompts us to give. Our motivation should be correct in that. So what are our motives? How, how, how should we give? How should we give? Based on two things. How good God has been to you. 
And number two, showing your love as a blessed believer. Everybody still awake? God prompts you to give an offering. God prompts you to give an offering. What motivates you to give that offering? How good God's been to you. How good has he been to you? Secondly, showing your love and how he has blessed you. Illustrate this by saying, really don't understand when somebody gives an offering. And on their envelope, it says $73.83. I don't understand that. So you're tithing to the penny? Really? I'm going to stand in silence for a while. Because it still gets me. You can't round up? I mean, a few pennies? To me, that tells me your heart. It just shows your heart. It shows your heart. What is your motive for giving? You feel blessed to the Lord? If you really feel blessed to the Lord and, and you really feel the love of the Lord and how he's blessed you, you'll, you'll round up, you know, 15 cents to the nearest dollar. Lay by in store. Again, we're not to give, in my you know, estimation here, we're not giving legalistically the tithe to the penny. We're giving out of a heart of love for the Lord. And we're to lay by in store. And that means it, it, the, what he's referring to is in the Old Testament, they brought their tithes and offerings to the temple. They laid by in store. They brought it to the storehouse. I do believe the Bible teaches storehouse givings. The Bible, no, I believe it, the Bible teaches storehouse giving. That means that the tithe belongs to the Lord, and the way in which you give that is through the church. You say, well, I gave mine to the Salvation Army. Well, that's not tithe or an offering. You didn't give it to the Lord. You gave it possibly to a, a decent cause, but that wasn't your tithe or offering. Hello? The Bible teaches storehouse giving. That you're to give, to lay by in store, is to come on the, on the first day of the week and lay by in store as God the prosperity to give that to your local church. That's giving to the Lord. Again, you can give uh, to the Salvation Army or you can give to a good cause, but that is not where you put your tithes and offerings. They brought their offerings in the Old Testament to the temple. And then lastly, we are blessed people. <laughs> as God hath prospered, as God hath prospered him. Aren't we prosperous? I, uh, I, I'm at the point in my life, and I, I mentioned this morning, early in marriage, and you know how you... Everybody in here has stories about early on in marriage and how God provided when you had nothing. And maybe that was one year, two years, three years. For us, it was about three years uh, where we had zero. I mean, just we just made it every week. I have, I literally found, I've told you this story before, I found uh, here recently, actually, as we, we moved from this last house to the house we're in now, I found the box from, from college days. I found them. I found the box of our financials. From 1993. You'd say, I can't believe the preacher keeps that stuff that long. Yeah, just come to my house. Anyway, here it is. And I have the checkbook, the carbon copies. I have the ledger of our checkbook. And 
you know, weekly, 93 cents left over that week, or, uh, uh, you know, $10.38 left over that week, and, and that just goes on and on and on uh, throughout about three years there. How, but God, again, blessed every time. We, we're pro, even in, in that situation, we were prosperous. Had a, had a roof over our head, had a, actually had a new car. We bought a brand new car, a Geo Metro, hatchback, three-cylinder, standard shift, 50 miles to the gallon. And it really did get 50 miles a gallon. With the foot all the way down to the floorboard, it would still get 50 miles a gallon because you weren't going very fast anyway. And when a truck, a semi-truck come by, you got really scared. It was a pretty blue. I drove it all during college. Three years I drove that car from Bowie to Fort Worth, Nakona to Fort Worth, four days a week. Put 75,000 miles on it. Never broke down. It's a good car. I mean, we didn't have much, but we, we had a Geo Metro hatchback. Sold that car three years, after we had, uh, three years later, made six, like $19 and something cents. We went out to eat. I, I got a, that story was every morning I stopped to get a burrito at a particular gas station there in Nakona, and this little, the lady who was at the register said, I love your little car. She said, if you ever sell it, let me know. I want, I want to buy it. And sure enough, about a year and a half later, I went there one morning to get my burrito. I said, hey, we just bought a minivan because we got kids now. We had kids then. Anyway, I said, we have a minivan, so I'm selling the car. She said, I want to buy it. And she bought it. She bought the car. And she drove it forever. That was a good little car. God has, been, God has blessed us so much. We are prosperous people. That's a fact. In America, it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor in America. If you're poor in America, you're prosperous. Go to the third world country. It's very easy to see. There, there is no comparison to the poor here and the poor in the third world country. Honduras or wh whatever country you want to choose. We are prosperous people. God has blessed us immensely. Notice what it says there. As God will prosper? No, it said as God hath prospered. And we know he has. It's a fact. We need to recognize the goodness of God to us. We need to recognize that Philippians 4.19 that God has promised to supply all of our needs, and He has supplied all of our needs. If we review our life, we think about the hymn, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One. It ought to be Count Your Blessings, Name Them Ton by Ton. See what the Lord has done for you. Boy, the devil loves to whisper in your ear and discourage you how bad your life may be, and man, you couldn't, you know, you, 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 you couldn't quite meet this or couldn't quite do that this week, and, and uh, you know, you missed your... Uh, Frappuccino, fancy coffee. You couldn't buy it at Starbucks this week. You had to buy it at the QT, you know, and you're upset about it. I'm just telling you, that's, that's, the, that's where we're at. We're that prosperous. Right? Some of you millennials. Amen. We're, we're that prosperous. Listen, God has been so good to us. Think about your health and Think about the health care we do have and the ability to, to access health care, the food, the three meals a day. We taunted Brother, we teased Brother House today by going to Saltgrass because that's where we usually take him. That's the first time he came. I don't remember what the, the thing was. He said, I, I want to go Saltgrass. Well, I do whatever Brother House tells me to do. He wanted to go Saltgrass. I'll take you to Saltgrass. If you know Brother House, you, you, would, you would laugh. So every year, 20 years, we've taken him to Saltgrass for lunch. And so we sent him pictures of our steaks today. 
God has been so good to us. Three meals a day. Yes, there's disappointments in life. And yes, our life has issues. <laughs> but God, goodness, look, look at how good God's given to us. And as you think about that, you think about the family you have and the friends you have. And God has, God has prospered us, hath prospered us. I think sometimes we need an attitude adjustment. I know I do from time to time. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, when Paul is talking about offerings, not tithe, but talking about the offerings, he said, when you give an offering, you should not do it grudgingly, nor of necessity. So we're not saying tonight that you need to give the missions because you have to. You shouldn't give because you have to. We're not saying tonight you should give to the building fund, the campus development fund, because you have to. You shouldn't give because you feel like you have to. You ought to give because you want to. Because the motivation, again, is, the, uh, man, God's been so good to me. God has prospered me. God loves me. I'm going to give back. I'm going to give back. And that motivation ought to be the right motivation. So many times we kind of get the idea that we ought to give till it hurts, and that's not true. We ought not to give till it hurts. Our motivation, again, should be one of a cheerful giver. Lord, I'm so glad I could drop this extra money in the plate. I'm so glad I could write this extra check. I'm so glad, you know, God sent, sent some extra money my way. So I want to give towards this fund. I, this week, uh, I had got a call a few, about a month ago or so or two months ago of someone who wanted to give an extra offering. And they wanted to say, hey, was there a special need in the Christian Academy? I know this sounds kind of cheesy, but or not cheesy, but kind of flippant. But I said, you know what? In our Christian Academy right now we need helmets for football. Isn't that silly? <laughs> but they specifically wanted to give the Christian school. I said, well, we need helmets for football. They're expensive, like super expensive. And so this family gave the money to buy new helmets for the Christian Academy. It's a significant amount of money. They were prompted to do that. They were prompted. They didn't do it because they had to. They did it because they wanted to. God's so good to us. And when God prompts you and God talks to you and he, He's prompting you and encouraging you to give, give. And just see what the Lord On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.